Well, this is Chatham's 100th year, and there are kind of special things planned throughout the year, and this is certainly one of those special uh, Sundays that the Lord has uh, sovereignly set apart for us as a church as we celebrate God's faithfulness. Before I joined the pastoral staff here at Chatham in 1990, uh, Maureen and I worked with ISI, uh, with international students. And as we were getting that ministry started in 1984, we made contact with a young man from St. Vincent who was studying at Forest Park Community College. The first time I met him was at a Christmas party in our home in 1984, and we certainly discovered very clearly that night that Cameron was not a believer in Jesus Christ. But he agreed to begin attending this church with us. Uh, He lived in North City, uh, in North City with his brother, and so every Sunday morning we would head down to North City and pick Cameron up and bring him to Chatham. That was actually when Chatham was meeting in the old uh, church building that that did sit here. Some of you might remember uh, those years. And within about a year or so, Cameron uh, came to the place of uh, surrendering, opening up his life to Jesus Christ, and Christ powerfully saved him. And at the same time, Cameron uh, committed himself to serving Christ. This was at a missions conference that Cameron went forward, came forward to be saved and to commit himself to service. Uh, I was discipling him that first year along with Stan Jackson. It took two of us. (laughs) And it wasn't long, and Cameron mentioned that he knew the Lord was calling him to return to St. Vincent and calling him to full-time ministry. He went to Moody Bible Institute, trusting God. He didn't have the $100 it took to uh, even send in his application. But God provided that and provided for his uh, studying at Moody in those years. He finished in 1990, returned to St. Vincent, and within a year was pastoring. He's been pastoring there faithfully for the past 27 years. It is an honor, Pastor Cameron, to have you come here and preach the word. So why don't you make your way up here? And uh, I'm kind of choked up because he uh, kind of represents the first fruits of our ministry in ISI. And, and uh, so it's great to see him continuing to walk with Jesus and serve in the power of the Holy Spirit. And good morning. I want to thank uh, Pastor Sir Guy, (laughs) Sir G, (laughs) for this opportunity and for being here. And uh, I just want to thank you again for inviting us back for this special uh, time, the 100 year. And most of all, we want to thank God for his wonderful love and his graciousness. I know that our God is a loving 
wonderfully gracious, splendid, majestic God. And I came to know that God. And allowing him, because one of the things that I realized very early is that we have to surrender to God and let God have his way. Let God have his way in our lives. That's the only way we can have good success. The Bible says, for it is God who works in you and in me both to do his will. To will, think in the Lord's Prayer, say, thy will be done. Not my will, but thy will. And I've learned to conform my will to his. To will and to do for his good pleasure. It is for him. If not for me, it's for him. But in 1983, when I left St. Vincent and the Grenadines, I thought it was for me. And I thought it was for my will. Because I left on the condition that I will not return. I left to study. I left to attend St. Louis Community College at Forest Park. I was in mass communication. And I thought this was it. Because journalists travel and journalists write stuff and journalists move around. And so I left. But before I left, I was told about the United States because, you see, I, lo I looked at television. So I saw, I saw movies, I saw killings, I saw... So when I left, they said, when you get there, People don't study you. And, my, and by the way, people are hard to get along with. So I said, well, that might be my kind of people because I'll just go there and just be myself. And so I came. And I, when I attended the, the St. Louis Community College at Forest Park. By the way, I left and I came here to this city because I had a brother living here. My brother was a policeman in Bermuda because in those days the Bermudan police force will recruit people from the Caribbean and the West Indies to join the police force in Bermuda. So he left and joined the police force in Bermuda and when he did his time, he left Bermuda and he came to the United States and he was traveling around as a salesman and he came to this city and he met a woman here and fall in love and married and stayed here. So I left and I came here because he was here. 
And so I joined him. And uh, while attending, I came here in 1984, 1983, and got into St. Louis Community College at Forest Park. And while attending college, I received a letter. That's why I say God has to do it. Because when I opened the letter, I saw my name in the letter. And it was asking me to come and have Thanksgiving dinner with an American family. And I knew for sure that the mafia was on my tail. (laughs) Because I did not give my name to anybody. So how on earth could I receive a letter with my name inviting me to an American family dinner? So I knew that this was a letter not to follow up. So I tore it up and I threw it in the garbage because I knew they weren't going to recruit me into their organization. That's how I thought. Simple, simple, just simple. (laughs) Simple, Simple mindedness. But I didn't know that God was behind it. About two weeks or three weeks later, I received a call and I answered the phone. And the voice said, hi, my name is Dave Griner. And I said, yes. <laughs> and he said, did you receive a letter that I sent about in a dinner? I said, yes. <laughs> he said, well, what did you think about it? And I said, nothing. <laughs> he said, where is the letter? Well, in my mind, still hovered, how did he get my name? That was the question that, I did, that needed to be answered, and that still was not answered. And that was the stumbling block, because I didn't give my name to anybody. But he had my name. <laughs> so I said, I tore it up, and I threw it in the garbage, He said, why? I said, because um, who are you? I, I didn't give my name to anybody. And then he began to explain that he works with, he was a missionary here, and he works with international students, and he got his name from Forest Park, my college. Now that made sense. Now the connection. Okay, now I understand how my name got in the letter. <laughs> you know? He actually got it from the school. How he got it, I didn't know, but the connection made, okay, because the school had my name. (laughs) So I said, yes, it's okay, because that first hurdle was answered. And you see, God was about to do his thing, and I didn't know that, because I left not to return. And so... Pastor Doug Russell at that point, at that moment, was the pastor here. And since he had ministered for some time in Grenada, and uh, St. Vincent and the Grenadines is right next to Grenada, he decided to have me come just to 
get a little acquaintance with the West Indies. And so my first American Thanksgiving dinner was with Pastor Doug Russell, Doug and Kathy Russell. Abby was about three years old. Climbed all over me. <laughs> I can remember Pastor Doug asking me about spiritual things. Now, I grew up in the Anglican Church, and therefore, for those of you, uh, you would have to understand that the Anglican Church, it's, it's, it's formal, but when you, when you go to some churches, you don't get the gospel. I mean, you go, you attend, but there is no, there is no connection to God. Uh, for you to know that God is a personal God and he's not just existing out there. And so for me, God was out there and I, I was trying to reach him sometimes, but like it was hard to find, you know. And you know, after trying and looking for some time and you can't find what you're looking for, you just forget it. So I forgot God because I was trying to look for him and I thought that I had to look for him and didn't know that he had his way of getting to me, who was trying to look for him. He was now going to come to me. So I forgot God. And so when Pastor Russell asked me about my spiritual background, about God, I was very straightforward because I was a straightforward person. (laughs) So I told him very blankly, that I was tired of God. God was out there somewhere and I was looking for him and couldn't find him and I, I just don't have time to look for God. If God wanted me, he has to come look for me. <laughs> that was my answer. And we had dinner. And then it was that time that I think as Dave said, he invited me to his home for a party. Now you got to understand, when I hear party, when I hear party in the Caribbean, it's a different thing than what Dave had in mind. (laughs) So Dave invited me to a party and I was ready. Because he was now going down my street. So I got dressed and really dressed up for this party because I know I'm going to drink and have fun. I didn't know. I know he said he was a missionary, but in my head I didn't know what a missionary was. (coughs) So he said, party. So I said, yes. (coughs) And he came and he picked me up. And I'm looking at this guy and I said, but he don't look party-ish to me in my mind. (coughs) But I didn't know, you see, very early God was trying to get to me and I pushed God in the back. And some, but God, no, because God is the one who wired us. And I want to encourage us that God knows us. He knows everything about us. And he knows how to get to us. And sometimes it might, we might be stubborn and have our own way, but God knows how to get to us. He, after all, is God. <laughs> he is God. 
So when I decided to go to this party and the Dave pulled up in front of his house, I wasn't hearing any music. <laughs> and that began a whole set of questions. What if I didn't see people? I didn't see cars? I didn't see nobody outside drinking? I, I didn't see none of that. <coughs> and then he said, I live here. And he took me in his house and I see one or two person sat down there, one person from Panama and another person from, so he introduced me and then Dave can play guitar and I'm watching and I'm saying, this can't be real. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just, by this time, just so disappointed because I, I dress for party. <laughs> I didn't dress for this. And pulled out his guitar and started to play all kind of amazing grace. And, and I'm just sitting there all over myself. I couldn't believe this. I am saying the same thing I'm trying to run from way back home. When God, when I think some, I was getting this impression to get into the ministry. I could remember that and I chuck it aside. I said, no way am I going to do that. No way am I going into any ministry. Because to me, it was a waste of time. To me, it was kind of a, people laugh at ministers and make jokes at ministers, so I, I'm not going there. I was going to do my own thing. <laughs> so that's how it all began. And uh, I went home, kind of uh, felt okay because the, it was warm, it was nice, it was welcoming, it was pleasant. Dave was friendly and nice, Maureen was, and so it was a good time, but still kind of uh, there was no party and no alcohol, but that's okay. <coughs> that's okay. It, it was a good time. After all, I was here alone. I, there was no other Vincentian here. Somebody wanted to be my friend, so it's okay. And uh, Dave continued after that. Uh, he called me and talked to me about this group that was meeting with the international students. I think it was on Friday nights just to talk about the Bible and discuss things in an unfriendly way. And, and of course, I didn't have anything to do, nowhere to go. So, why not? So I did it. And then he started to call me and say, oh, do you want to go hang out and go to the zoo and go to here? And, and so I didn't have anything to do, so why not? <laughs> and I did it. But in each occasion, we had conversation, you see. And slowly by slowly, I start saying, hmm, well, maybe this kind of thing that I heard of an above American, maybe, maybe it's not all that true after all, because here's an American, and he's different from me. He is white, I'm black, you know, and he's friendly, <laughs> and he's nice, and he's not that kind of a stuck-up kind of a way. So why not? And it's through that 
I began coming here at Chadha because I, he invited me, and I think was, I don't know if it was him or what, but to in, attend the Josh McDowell series, and I attended that, and then continuing to come, and it was in that time also that I met Stan and Kathy and others, and so on Sundays, Dave would come down, down in the, that area for me. I don't know what that area is called. It's between Grand and Fairground, <laughs> off of Natural Bridge, close to downtown. So he'll come down and bring me out and take me back. And when he couldn't make it, Stan would do it. And, and they would come on campus and we would talk Christian things and go through books. And I would question him and in a friendly way. And if you know anything about Stan, when you get in his car, you he talks about Bible until from the time you enter till the time you leave, you know. <laughs> That's Stan. And sometimes I used to say, oh my, this car again, this is Bible car. <laughs> but it was good. And somehow in me I felt, though I kind of wasn't expecting it, I, I knew in me this was what I needed. So I kind of continued. And through that process, through that love, because it's not only through him, it was through others. You come and you stand, and people will come up to you, and, hello, how are you? And I said, well, this, is not, this, is, this isn't what I heard about Americans. I heard they were stuck up. <laughs> I heard, like, tourists. But people seem to be coming and talking to you, and and different members, and bit by bit, God began to walk on my heart, just like that. It wasn't overnight, but bit by bit, he was walking. The Spirit was walking, bit by bit, challenging me in my heart. And I didn't know, maybe they didn't know, but God was walking. And I had to, I had to deal with that. Therefore, it is God who works. It is him. All he needs is a vessel. Amen? <laughs> and it is him who does the work. And probably Dave may not have known how I was wrestling in my spirit with God, trying to get away. And, but God was working. He was. The spirit was challenging me. What do I think now? And I couldn't get away from the answers. I could remember one time I went out in the parking lot after a, at one night you were having something and I was ready to go because I was tired of the wrestling. <laughs> and like the spirit say to me, something in me say, you know you got to go right back inside there because that's what you need. <laughs> and I knew it. And I came right back in here and sat down because I knew this is what I needed. I knew somehow that this was it. And it was an admissions conference in May, that week of the 5th, because I can remember it's the 5th of May, I think, 1985, right here at the missions conference. I think the speaker was from team. I think his name was Long John, somehow, Long John or something. I can't remember the, whether it's the first or the last name, but I know Long John was there somehow. <laughs> I remember that name. 
and I could remember him giving the altar call. And I was sitting with Kathy in the stand, and something just rose me up and sent me forward. And that's what I did. And I committed my life to Jesus Christ. And I committed my life to wherever he wanted me to go. Yet I didn't know where. But I started attending St. Louis Community College and was starting to be discipled by Dave and Stan. And yes, Dave is quiet and reserved and Stan is like, go get him, tiger. (laughs) Very fiery. (laughs) And he does things so. You know, so I had those two, and uh, I was on the softball team to here. They had a softball team. I can remember joining that team and being part of the team and just growing. And uh, after I graduated, the year before I graduated, Dave started to ask me, since I was up here, if I would consider Bible study, because I had this strong impression that I needed to go back home now. And I knew for sure that home was where, back is where I'm going. God had changed all my focus. I can remember somebody asking me, what are you going to do after graduation? Because it was the year before, and I said, I'm going back home. They say, you're going back home? I said, yes. They say, you're going the wrong way. <laughs> you say, everybody from there coming here, you're here, and you're going back there, you're going the wrong way. <laughs> you know? I said, yeah, it probably may look that way to you, but all I can tell you is that God, I believe God wants me to go back. I, I, I didn't know how, but I just believe that. So, again, it is God, amen? The Bible says, you did not choose me, but I choose you. So it wasn't that I was looking for God. I was, it was farthest from my thoughts. I was looking for me and everything that I could have. But God had other plans. And God put his hand on me. And God found me. And I find God, he came to me. Because he always was looking for me. And the same God that I thought was out there that I couldn't find because he was out there, that same God was looking for me. (laughs) And I didn't know. But he found a way of getting to me. And so God always have a way of reaching everybody. God know right where you are. And exactly how to get to you. And so my encouragement to us is to trust God in whatever you do. Whatever ministry, whatever you're doing, sometimes it may look like you're getting nowhere. But it's not you who are working my Bible. Say it is God. Who works? God. <laughs> God knows how to do it. He's just looking for a vessel to do it through. But it is God who works. And sometimes we have to understand that because we think it is us who work. The Bible said, no, it is God who does the work. God. Because He is the one who does the choosing, not us. So he does the working and he does the choosing. For I have chosen you, 
<coughs> and appointed you that you should go forth and bring forth fruit. God did that. Many of us are wandering away from God. And so I'm here to encourage us because I understood that even as I went back home. Because sometimes you leave all of this and you, you go back and things are not so easily gotten back there as here. So when you leave, you leave opportunity because the, I, I left. Remember that? I left. <laughs> so I was returning back to what I left. But I was returning. I left looking for God, uh, not caring for God, but was returning with God. So I was returning different from how I left. I was returning knowing now that there is a, this God that I thought was out there actually was a personal God. And I the God that I thought I couldn't find was looking for me. And the God that I got tired of didn't get tired of me. And so he found a way of getting to me. Disappointing to me, but glorious to him. <laughs> you know? Because it is he who works, and it is he who appoints. And so, after I graduated from St. Louis Community at College at Forest Park. Now, you have to remember that when you're attending college as an international student, you have to pay a little bit more money. And if you don't have help on scholarship, it's double pressure. But I was working on campus to kind of help buffer that. And I was working at I was helping out while working at campus in the AV department. I was working extracurricular with the scene, which is the Forest Park newspaper. So I was doing that as an, because I was in communication. So I was doing that. And during my final year, I worked my way up to the editor. So I became the editor of the newspaper. And the chairman of the department came to me one time because when I was in the AV department trying to consider how am I going to pay my final semester because I really was getting at the bottom of the barrel. And God, when I, this, the communication director left her office and just like if God sent her directly to me. <laughs> you know, God knew that I didn't have money to finish this thing. And sent her directly to me, Cameron. There is a scholarship that is opening up for people who are doing extracurricular work, and you are the editor of the scene, and you are the only person I can think of. So apply for it. I applied for it, and I got the scholarship, and that scholarship was enough to carry me through <laughs> to Modi and brought to um, St. Louis Community College and bring me out. And when I left, I left because I had to drain my bank account, all that I was working for, combine it with the scholarship, pay off my debt. I had 10 cents left. (laughs) (laughs) 
And then Dave had the boldness to ask me if I was going to Modi. <laughs> with 10 cents. But Dave probably was looking at God. I was looking at my money. And I said, Dave, I have 10 cents left. I can't go to Modi. You see, Dave used to take international students over here and there. And it's one of those trips that he said, well, let's go to Modi. Let's go over and you can visit Modi and sit down and determine whether or not it might be a place for you. I don't know, but you can determine that. I'm just giving you the opportunity to go and visit Modi. So I went over with him. And when all the other students went here and there, I went and I visited Modi and sat and audited a class and had lunch. Because they give visitors, I got a visitor free lunch. <laughs> and while I was there in the dining room, it's just like something just came over me and said, here is where you need to be. And I, I told him, I said, I think I need to be here. But I didn't have any money. You see, I knew that everything I needed, I had to work for it. This whole thing about faith that Emerson talked about didn't um, go well with my thinking. Faith could come, but faith could come if you have the money and then you could always let faith back up what you have. But when faith has to operate on what you don't have, that's a whole different thing. It's easy for... It's easy for me to have faith if I can pay my way and do things and say, sure, boy, I have faith because I have the money and the money leads the faith. But then what, what about if you don't have anything to lead the faith? That all you must have is faith and nothing but God. That's a whole different kettle of fish. <laughs> and I had 10 cents. And Dave was asking me about Modi. I could remember one night he asked me that and I had already told him I had 10 cents. And I think he was bugging me. I think he was trying to set me up. <laughs> so he's asking me again about Modi. I could remember saying, Dave, I do not have any money. <laughs> and at that night, I heard Dave praying that just changed and he had just gone in a different way. Can't you remember if he even remembered that? <laughs> and he said, Father God, Cameron believed that you cannot carry him to Modi. And in my mind, I'm thinking, what did God have to do with this? I was talking to you. <laughs> you know? But not only that, but the way he had just gone, as father, that means somebody's going to take care of this. And it's like, wow, that's refreshing, that, that, that kind of prayer. And I never kind of prayed that way, but good to hear that. That was refreshing to me. And later on, he did ask me that um, <clears throat> all I needed to do was to go and speak at a church. I think it was a Grace Church or something like that. I can't remember the full name now. <laughs> but just to tell them about my intentions, because I already tell them that I felt that I may go to Modi, but I didn't have any money. So he said, Cameron, I'm going to take you to a church, and all you need to do is to explain what God has done and what your intentions. And I said, no. <laughs> he said, why? I said, because I never do anything like that. And like a big brother, 
he looked at me and he said, I was right where you are. And I think you are suffering from pride. And I'm not going to leave you there, brother. So let me rephrase it. You're going to the church. <laughs> You're going to speak. <laughs> so I said, okay. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I eventually went and just spoke. And uh, came to church the Sunday morning. And I can remember Dave in the gym area. Because I think we used to, and he's all smiles and he's calling me and he's coming to me with all smiles. And, and I'm watching him now saying, what is this smile all about? And he pulled out this letter and he showed, gave me a check with $100 on it. And he told me some person that he had heard my intentions. And he gave this $100 and guess how much I needed to send to Modi? A hundred dollars. And David excited and I'm watching Dave like he's crazy. <laughs> and like if this person wanted to set me up. Because I knew a hundred dollars couldn't get me through Modi. Again, I was looking at money. You understand me? I was looking at the money. And I'm saying, a hundred dollars? That, that's a setup. I needed more than that. But he, he, said, he said, send it in. It's come, send it in. I send it in. I send it in. They accepted me as an international student. It was, a, it was a thing, the one year, the year and a half, just in time for the same allowance that they would take in an application. That was the day, time too. So everything, God was working. And I now begin to pray about this faith that I saw in him. Because I know I didn't have it. I knew I was looking at money. But you see, I had to learn this very one principle that is in the Bible. It's more than one, but they keep occurring over and over again. And God was going to deal with that with me. Because there is two powers in this world. It's money and it's God. Two powers. You can get what you want with money. People get what they want with God. One runs out. One doesn't. <laughs> one you have and you may not have. One is always there. No matter what. But it's two powers. And we must choose which one we are aiming at. And God had to demonstrate to me that this walk was going to be through faith, not through money. <coughs> that was what he had to demonstrate to me. Because you see, a lot of times people always think that you need money first. And then faith could come after but God said, we live or we walk by faith. And so we always run into this issue. And every time we come back to God, God, I don't have any money. What does that have to do with God? God never say, 
we walk by money. He uses money, but we walk by faith. And God had to begin to show me the reality and the truth of that, of his word. Because his word is powerful. His word is, is, is able to, to cut through anything. His word that has more power and more life to it. As Christians, we have to depend on his word. And I think sometimes more than, anything, more than anything else, we depend on all other kind of stuff more than his word. We know his word. We recite his word. We write about his word. We, 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 we read his word. But many times we don't trust his word. And so what God is asking for is to trust him. And you don't trust anyone that you don't believe in, that would help you, that you don't have an experience with, that you, and God has to build that one and one. So I always try to get people get to know God. My whole thing from I, when whenever I talk with anybody, my whole thing get to know God. Don't get to know me. Don't get to know the church. Don't get because I may disappoint you. The church may disappoint you. People will disappoint you. Get to know God. Because when all the disappointment comes, God is the only one who's going to keep you together. <laughs> he is the only one that will make sense out of everything else. Because he's not the art of confusion. <laughs> and so my whole thing and my whole challenge, get to know God. Because in tough times, in, in, in hard times, in rough times, in difficult times, if you don't know God, and if you don't believe God, and if you don't trust God, that's why the Bible says trust in the Lord with all, not some, all your heart means leave no room for anything else. Put all your trust and all your hope in God. Trust in Him with all your heart. Don't even trust your own understanding because my own understanding says I don't have any money. He said, don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge who God is. Let him know he is God. Let him know he is in control. Let him know that you are dependent on him. Let him know that you trust in him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he shall, not might, you know, shall direct. That's not an if. That's certainty. Direct. They that wait upon the Lord shall. Certainty. Not might. Shall. Renew. Your strength. <laughs> so if you are down and out, I tell people, Sometimes life and all its difficulties and all its hardships get to us. Get to know God. Because my Bible say, they that wait, wait upon the Lord shall. And it's that waiting period upon God that is more troubling than anything else. God is going to teach me to wait. He taught me to wait. School, he taught me to wait. You know what, how, when I got married, I was 44 years of age. 
when I got married. Sometimes I ready to give up. So well, this isn't working. Everybody else married. You sit down with, you, sit, you go to a pastor's conference and you sit down, the first question they ask you is, are you married? And I'm sitting there and say, why did I bring myself here? <laughs> I have to keep saying no, no, no. Maybe I shouldn't go. Because the next question is, well, hmm. At one point I said, God, like these pastors, and read your Bible, you know. Because I thought that singleness, Paul said, is okay. Yes, if you have the desire, pray. But sometimes married people push you to think that if you are single, you're kind of waste of time, you know, until you get married. And I had to watch that because I know when you get married and you go home after the wedding, everybody say hello, nice, and everybody celebrates, and then, then they go home. And it's you. God had to teach me to wait, to pray. When I'm ready to give up at some point, he brings somebody in my life and they would ask the same question and I would answer them in my throat. And then they would say something like, don't bother, brother, I got married when I was 40-something. And I say, whoa, here's God sending a message. And I say, but I'm, you know, so God knows how to strengthen you. If you, that's why they that wait upon the Lord shall. Because he sends people in the right time to you to speak just to you and nobody else but just to you <laughs> because he knows you and he knows what you're going through and so he sends somebody who's going through your experience just to sit with you and speak to you and God has done that over and over because he's a loving God. Amen? He's a gracious God. He's a God who wants to always give us victory over everything. And I tell people, the very thing that the devil wants to mess you up and discourage you and make you feel like a nobody is the very thing God is going to take and turn around and grow you and strengthen you and move you on in that. And then the very experiences that you cry over God is going to use that in somebody's life that you don't even know. So your pain is never wasted. God is strengthening you in the situation. Somebody has to go through it. Why? Because God chose you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. So why me, God? Because I have chosen you. I know you ain't chose that, but I chose you to do it. God, why am I going through this very situation? Why me? Because I have chosen you. <laughs> and I have ordained you. So I know you won't choose it. 
But the choice is not yours. <laughs> I do the choosing. I am the one who chose you. I know you would run from it. I know you would not choose it. That's why I am doing the choosing. <laughs> and I choose you. That's settled it. And I'm going to ordain you. And I'm going to make you help somebody in this world who are about to die. And at the moment of their death, I'm going to send you to speak to them. And whatever you speak into their life will raise them up again. And they will be able to go on. And you will have an effort in fruit bearing in that person's life who is about to die. Somebody is about to die. And I'm going to send you. Because I want fruits, not death. I want life. And you're going to speak to the person. And you're going to encourage the person. And they're going to live again. And they're going to be strong again. And they're going to be victorious again. And the devil will know that he has no place. Amen? I have chosen you. Allow God to do it. So here how we do it in closing. In my learning of all of this and seeing God worked and seeing Chatham, because I never thought, you see where I'm standing here today? I never thought I would be here. As a matter of fact, when, when I went back home, Chatham committed and, you know, they didn't say that they would do it over a long period. I don't know. <laughs> They, they, they could have stopped. They continue. This is now over 20-something years, and they're still continuing. And I'm here. It's like, what am I doing here after all these times? It is God who does it, not me. It is God. It is his grace, sheer grace. Just God is doing it. God wants it to be done. God is ordaining you. God is ordaining me. God is bearing fruit and everything about him. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. That's how the prayer ends up. It's about him. It's not about us. For thine, God, thine is the kingdom. It's about him and his kingdom. It is about him and his power. He is the power. And at the end of it, he gets the glory. Forever and ever. Let God be praised. So I'm here this week not because of me. I'm here because of God. I'm here not because of Dave and Emerson and Stan and the others. God has used them to keep this tree growing. <laughs> but it's their obedience to that call. I know in turn, must be used to keep other trees growing in the Caribbean. That's how it is. God does it. How we do it? Because there are many things that can hinder. Lack of money, waiting single for a long time. I'm telling you, I got married when I was 44. You think that is easy? It sounds easy. But waiting is a very hard thing. You ever stand up in a line and wait? Especially if you hurry. 
People don't want to wait too long for anything. Even in the fast food places, you don't want to wait. No matter how fast the food is, it's still slow. (laughs) How do you do it? How do I avoid not getting washed away with the tide? Not getting losing focus, not getting tired, frustrated. You know life could bring you frustrated. Pastors get frustrated, Christians get frustrated, husbands get frustrated, wives get frustrated, workers get frustrated, people get frustrated. How do you keep the joy? The joy of the Lord is your strength. How, how are you going to stand up and say, God, you are glorious and you are wonderful and you are beautiful. How do you say that from your heart in a life full of frustration? And mean it. It's not just a lingo, Christian lingo. God is good. I am blessed. I know that. <laughs> But how does you keep smiling? How do you, how do you keep living victoriously? Because we are more than conquerors. You never see a, con- a defeated conqueror. A conqueror is one who overcomes and overpowers. The fight is there. You, never, you, you cannot be a conqueror unless there is a fight. And Christians don't like fight. But the only fight is spiritual. I tell people the only fight that God says is good, people say don't fight. I say, yeah, read the Bible again. <laughs> you know what my Bible say? The only fight that is good is the faith fight. Fight, fight, the good fight of faith. <laughs> because any time you lose your faith, that's it. And you have to. And that is one thing that the devil wants to do, is to push us off of that. And so from the time you wake up to the time you go back to bed, there is this all-day-long fight. (laughs) And if you don't know how to be victorious, you will lose. You won't go to heaven. Don't go to heaven a joyless Christian. Do not ever go to heaven a bitter angry, frustrated Christian. That is not what God has for us. Whether I'm in Beckway or America, how can I leave America with so much things and go back to Beckway? Because it's not the place. I do not live in a place. I live in a person. I live in God. So wherever I am, I enjoy God. I look for things that I can enjoy, God. It's not about America. It's not about Beckway. It's not about Africa. It's not. If it's about that, then anytime you move, you're in trouble. That is why your joy is in the Lord. The Bible never says my joy is in America. Uh, my joy is in Beckway. Uh, my joy is in Africa. It says my joy is in the Lord. And God is everywhere. So anywhere I go, I can have joy. <laughs> if I do that right. So in closing, let me say this. Hear what the Bible say. We have a group of people in 
Hebrews chapter 11, who, fight, who face all different kinds of uh, situations. Some of them didn't even see the promise. And Hebrews chapter 12 says, after reading all of that, it says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, they are all in chapter 11. He says, this is what I want you to do. This is what God is asking me to do, Cameron Cato. He says, everything that causes heaviness in you, everything that causes a stumbling block, no matter how small it is, the Bible says, let us lay aside every weight, every weight, everything that frustrates you, everything that weights you down. I don't care what it is. <coughs> Everything that makes you feel like you can go, there's a place for that. Cast in all your cares upon him. He didn't say carry it. He said cast it. We have to learn to cast and allow God to be God. A lot of us carry stuff that we should cast. <coughs> A lot of us are living, carrying a lot of weights that we should release. We're carrying it. And it's stifling us. It's making us unhappy. It's making us not joyful. It's making us just go through the motion without joy. And so we look for joy in all kinds of other things. And things don't bring joy. Don't care how beautiful a home you live and how expensive a car you drive. That will not bring you joy and peace. If it is, we would have all of these things and it would make us happy, but many of us have these things and we are still, amen? And, uh, <coughs> because things does not bring that. So my Bible says, lay aside every weight. Put it aside. Give it up. You want to see God walk? Give it up. Surrender it to him. This is beautiful. God wants us to enjoy life. So, they that wait upon the Lord shall we shall renew their strength. Certainty. They will, not might, <laughs> they shall. This is a promise from God. <laughs> Mount up like eagles. It's a promise. Christians, that's a promise. From a creator who creates everything, <laughs> who has power over everything. But we got to believe his word. God promised that. This is not just something for us to rehearse and memorize and speak in Bible boxing. This is life to live. <laughs> the Bible says you shall walk never weary. Right. You, you keep going, keep going, 
keep going. <laughs> Let us lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily it gets us so easy. <laughs> Just like that. Just chips us up very easily. Takes nothing. Chip us up. Bible says it is so easily ensnares us. Christians are so easy to get entangled in these things. <laughs> and so therefore, you have to lay aside if you want to run with endurance. You cannot run with endurance with a cluttered life and a cluttered... You've got to let it go. You've got to release it. And then run with endurance. Your race and my race that is set before us. Looking, keeping your eyes on Jesus. Because he started it. And guess who's going to finish it? He got to finish it. That's the Christian joy. That's a blessed hope. That's life without limits. That's abundant life. <laughs> that's, that's what God promised us. You know what abundant life is? Life without limits. But life without limits must be based on God's way and God's limits. <laughs> but it's there for every child of God. It is real. It is true. It is a blessing. And it's given by God. And all we have to do is to be willing to say yes to him and receive it. In Jesus' name, amen.